0: And let me add my uh, warm welcome to that of Marcus's. My name is Callum. I'm the associate pastor uh, here at St. Peter's Barge. A particular warm welcome. If it's your first time uh, along here today, it's great to have you with us. Um, We're in a book called uh, Acts, um, and we'll be uh, just carrying on where we uh, left off last week. So um, starting chapter 6, going from verses 1 through to verse 7. So you can find that on the Church Bibles, page uh, 1100. And one, that's uh, 1101. Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Let me pray for us uh, before we start. Loving Heavenly Father, we pray uh, that you'd fill us with your spirit to see Jesus more clearly through the words uh, of uh, this page. We pray uh, that we'd be built up, uh, encouraged, and equipped uh, to serve you faithfully um, and to see the word go out in Canary Wharf. Uh, Lord, we pray. Uh, That the word would uh, work in our own lives and in the lives of others this week. Amen. Amen. So Acts uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said... It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good to repeat, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip. And Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenus, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch, and they set before the apostles. They set them before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Well, do keep that open in front of you, and uh, do keep the uh, yellow service sheet uh, open in front of you. On the inside of that, you can see a little outline of where we're going and the space uh, to make notes as well. Uh, sometimes in life, though, things that are uh, really good can distract from things that are the very best, can't they? We know this to be true. Um, it's always good to have a catch-up with a friend, isn't it? But sometimes uh, it is not good to do that in the middle of a date. Uh, Picture it, your best friend rings, and you just immediately ignore the person you're on a date with um, in order to have a good catch-up with a friend. That is where the good thing uh, has come at the cost of the best thing, which is to prioritise the person in front of you. It's good to make social connections at work, but spend all of our time connecting, and we'll quickly find out that we've sacrificed the best thing to do, our job, for the sake of a good thing to do, connecting with others. And it's true in church life too. Sometimes the best thing that we can be doing as a church isn't actually happening because we're so busy getting on with all sorts of really good things. And so we don't want that to be the case at the barge. So if if we're here this morning uh, wondering... Um, uh, what should church be prioritizing? Or thinking, why do we do some things at church and not others? Or more of some things and less of others? Or maybe even if you're you're not a Christian here and you're thinking, uh, well, what even is the purpose of church? It all comes to light in a small episode in the life of the early church in Jerusalem. The one we just read about. Uh, The book of Acts, it begins uh, with Jesus, risen from the dead, promising the power of the Holy Spirit, God himself, to live in his people and empower them to be witnesses. Witnesses uh, to the end of the earth. Effectively, to uh, share the hope of Jesus in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Effectively, it's ever-increasing circles. And that's the pattern of the book of Acts. We're, in fact, approaching the end, almost, of the Jerusalem section. And verse 7 of our reading today says, The word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly, and a great many of the priests came obedient to the faith. The word is going out. The number of disciples is increasing. That means followers of Jesus are making more followers of Jesus. But this can only happen if the church doesn't sacrifice what is best for the sake of what is good. Because a problem has arisen in the church of Jerusalem. Did we spot it in our reading? It starts in verse 1. In the days when the disciples were increasing in number... A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So there's a problem. Disciples who were from a Greek background, they are complaining against the disciples from a Hebrew background. Their widows are being neglected. So back in chapter 4, the community of believers is described. And it's described as there is not being a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them, and the proceeds of what was sold was laid at the apostles' feet and was distributed to each as they had need. And that included uh, those who were particularly needy. In that context, widows were very, very needy people. And this is a good thing happening in the church, Uh, Remember, uh, that is why God took seriously the hypocrisy and lies of Ananias and Sapphira back in chapter 5. It was a a sneak attack from Satan, we called it, to discredit the wonderful community that had built up around the gospel. Here, a similar thing is about to happen. There's a conflict. Division is brewing. Surely it needs to get sorted out as soon as possible so the church doesn't lose all credibility, doesn't collapse and splinter in on itself, falling into arguments and divisions before it's too late. So is this the problem that the apostles focus on? Well, look at verse 2. The 12 summon the full number of the disciples and say, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word, the word of God, in order to serve tables. The apostles here, they identify a deeper problem, a problem in a way behind the problem. If they were to spend all of their time sorting out disputes like this, as factions arise and disagreements brew, if they're having to sort out all of the practical matters of church being together, then they will have no time to preach the word. No time to actually be witnesses in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. It's not that sorting out the daily distribution of help is a bad thing to do. In fact, it's a very good thing. But the problem is that it could easily take away from, being, from the best thing, that the apostles can do, which is to get on with the teaching of the word. So, the principle here is that we're not to sacrifice the best thing for the sake of a good thing. And it's the, a problem that is very possible in our churches today. There are lots of things that are very, very good that we could all be getting on with. Our church. Does loads of wonderful practical things. But the job of the elders and pastors is to ensure that the word is faithfully preached and that the church is equipped to be witnesses to the hope of Christ. So the job of elders is not to be getting on with doing absolutely everything that church does, but instead to devote themselves to the teaching of the word. So if you're ever finding yourself wondering, well, what exactly does Callum do when he's not preaching on a Sunday? And what's he getting up to? Well, a lot of it is preparing to teach the word. And this includes it in all of its forms, in, in, in Bible studies, in preachings, but also in uh, one-to-one meetups and, and in equipping others to do the same. W- one image that comes to mind Um, is a really famous one when it comes to dividing up uh, how church work works, uh, is uh, the image that you can either be doing trellis work or vine work. So in a garden, if you're trying to grow a vine, you need a bit of wooden scaffolding called a trellis in order to support it. There's even a, a book about church ministry called The Trellis and the Vine. So there's vine work the work of ministry of the word, teaching the word, meeting with people, uh, the business of life and growth in faith. But there's also trellis work, that work that supports it, uh, the work that uh, keeps the divine work going. So at the barge, there's lots and lots of practical things that happen all the time in order that we can meet. And lots of practical things that help us to function well as a community. There's lots of practical demands uh, on the work of the ministry here at the barge. So uh, mooring leases have to be renewed. Uh, Dry docking has to be booked. Canal and river trusts need contacting about the bins not being emptied. All sorts of practical things that help us to run. But the practical everyday trellis work, if we were to... Uh, let it get out of hand, Uh, well, it could take all of our time, and the focus would not be on word ministry. The apostles are saying here, it's not right to devote all our time to trellis work and neglect the vine work. Now, to be very clear, trellis work is fantastic and essential work. The the fact that the phrase uh, for it translated as serving tables conjures the image of being a waiter Um, It can sometimes uh, give the impression that the apostles look down on this kind of work. But it's it's not the case. The apostles don't look down on it. Jesus, in fact, said that he came uh, not to be served, but to serve. And he even washed his apostles' feet at one point in order to make that point. It's more accurately, maybe think of it like ministry of tables is what the apostles aren't to be getting on with, but to be getting on with ministry of the word. Jesus is the apostles, and our concern needs to be that the word is faithfully taught, getting into everyone's lives, being faithfully preached, sown, and it's causing life and growth in faith. So the practical serving needs to support the word ministry. And it means that it's not for ministers of the word to be doing all of the practical things all of the time. It's, in fact, better if they aren't. They're to be busy getting on with preaching the word. So picture this. One day you move on from the barge. Maybe you you move abroad to uh, another country and uh, you look for a church there. The top tip from this passage is look for a church where the pastors are pastoring, where the word is being prioritized. Because there are churches that will be really busy doing lots of really good things but neglecting the work of the word. These churches sadly eventually will become little more than community centers, perhaps very busy with food banks, support of any number of causes, some even giving access to medical care. There's loads of great things that churches can be doing. But in doing so, if they lose their focus on the word, it's like they sort of pull up the anchor of their church and their, their mission drifts from whatever the current need is to whatever the urgent need is to whatever the next cause is, maybe even slowly at first. But they will begin to lose their focus on the word going out. And that's how disciples are multiplied in Jerusalem and how disciples are multiplied today. So a big application for us to all take away is remember to prioritize the word going out. Remember what verse 7 says. The word goes out, the the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Remember that that is the very best thing that we can be doing. The very best thing that we can be getting on with as a church. And so it needs to be a priority. But even with it being a priority, it leaves the apostles with a dilemma. What should they do? Should they just put a stop to all daily distributions and say, we're going to focus on ministry of the word? Now let's look at the solution. The solution in verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. They set, them, these, they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. The solution is that disciples together get practically serving. The apostles make this proposal to the church. Nominate uh, seven guys who are full of spirit and wisdom, so both uh, practically and spiritually mature. And they will look after the daily distribution while the apostles devote themselves to the ministry of the word. So the addition uh, of prayer here as well, prayer and ministry of the world, it's naturally, natural that those two things should go together. And the plan goes down well. Verse five, what they said, pleased the whole crowd. They put forward these names. Now, these names are sometimes referred to as the first deacons, uh, because the word for service here is where we get our word from deacon, diakonos. It's it's worth noting that uh, there is at least uh, uh, here there there isn't an office as such of deacon given to them. But later in the New Testament, uh, when Paul uh, is writing, clearly the office of deacon, the job role, if you like, within the church has been established. And so deacons get appointed and they have to be qualified. So uh, 1 Timothy 3.8, deacons likewise, they must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So deacons do exist, has an office in our church. But let's not forget that there's a point here of simple practical service allows the apostles to get on with the work of the word. So in our church at the barge uh, we have official deacons. Uh, We uh, run the church with official deacons responsible for specific practical areas Of ministry, and it's certainly it's it's a ministry in itself, and it allows the pastors to give more focus to preaching and teaching the word. And so there are uh, there are so many at the barge who do all sorts of fantastic practical things that help uh, the word go out. So uh, when you came into church today, the stewarding team gave you a warm welcome hopefully, and the stewarding team uh, helps you to find a seat. The PA team, they arrived early um, alongside the music team so that we can sing together and, and praise God together this morning. Uh, yesterday, there was a, a Chinese New Year social event put on in order to uh, engage with local community and welcome friends to the barge. And currently, there's a sign-up sheet at the back, uh, where you can sign up to volunteer to help out at uh, a local night shelter, sorting out breakfast uh, for local homeless folk in Tower Hamlets, in partnership with Growth, a, a local charity that works with homeless in Tower Hamlets, that we support uh, as a church in order to, to care and bless local homeless people. This is all fantastic stuff. And deacons are in various roles within those ministries, uh, running these teams, uh, training and equipping people to help in those practical services. Now, if Marcus and I were responsible for sorting out all of those things, the sermon really wouldn't get written. And a lot of those practical things wouldn't get run. And the practical things that would get run wouldn't be run to even a, a fraction of as high standard as they are, as godly deacons exercise these ministries. So I'm very, very thankful for the barge deacons and for all that they do. But I think it also goes beyond a formal role. So there's loads of practical ways that we can all be involved in serving at the barge that don't have a formal deacon role attached to it, uh, but do have a really essential role, a really great way of playing a part of helping the word to go out in Canary Wharf. From people offering uh, IT support um, to uh, distributing of meals to those who've just had babies or uh, who are going through a tough time or to the warm welcome of a newcomer that you might see uh, coming along to church, saying hi to them. Church couldn't happen without each one of us here together pitching in in all sorts of practical ways to make sure that church can happen. There's all sorts of wonderful things that are so encouraging to see and so very, very thankful for all those who serve in these practical ways, giving so sacrificially, caring for others so deeply, and making sure that good things happen without sacrificing the priority on the best thing happening, which is the word going out. Now, maybe we're sat here thinking, well, this is a little bit of a challenge. Uh, maybe I've not been pulling my weight. I should really start serving. Well, that's good news. It's really easy to start serving. Uh, at the church, the first step is to become a member here. That just means saying, yep, I'm committed to this church. We'll uh, send you a form with a couple of questions to uh, then chat through with an elder afterwards. And it all means that uh, there's a great big list on the back of that of areas that you can get involved serving in. We'd love to have those conversations on how you can be getting involved in practical ways serving. And maybe you're you're already a member, and you're thinking, well, I really haven't been pulling my weight, and I'm even a member of the church. What should I be doing? Well, why not think about joining the music team, a team uh, that means uh, that, that we can praise together here on a Sunday morning, uh, if you're able to have a practice and give it a go, it's a great way to serve. You don't have to be a perfect musician. Uh, training and support is provided. Maybe music isn't your thing. Um, uh, maybe you've never considered, though, that you could actually help looking after some of the children uh, on the barge. We'd love to have a, a manned crash going so that uh, all the little ones can get dropped off and that parents can be in the service, hearing the sermon, hearing the word preached and the word working. Uh, in their lives without distraction, disappearing off into the back room, or maybe uh, helping at Sunday school, aiding uh, the very littlest of our disciples in their life and growth in the word. There's any number of ways that you can practically serve, so please don't be silent. Uh, if uh, If you think that there is a need that perhaps we haven't spotted, we'd love to hear about it, Uh, We'd love to uh, have as many people practically serving in all sorts of ways. Um, If you're not sure what you can do, then please do come and speak to us and start that conversation and uh, get pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and serving in some practical way. That serving in a practical way really helps uh, the word increase in each of our lives and in 21st century Canary Wharf. Because look at the result of this practical service. Verse 7, the word of God continues to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. As a direct result of this delegation of social action, the word of God increases, spreads. We shouldn't be surprised by this. Because when the word is not neglected by pastors devoting themselves to it, it increases. It spreads. They're able to devote themselves to the word. They're able to give the time to it. And so more of it happens. And the result is that the amount of disciples there are multiplies. This is one of the first of like six summaries of a growth that Luke gives in the book of Acts. Um, And it comes at crucial points in the unfolding of the narrative. It just serves to highlight how wonderful it is that God works through his word, that he does indeed work in the gospel, and his work can't be stopped. Now, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for the word of God to increase in Canary Wharf? In East London, our little pocket of the Docklands, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if the amount of disciples here were to be multiplied in the coming weeks and months and years? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for the Word of God to go out among workers and residents, for the disciples to grow and grow and grow? And Uh, Even those that we think are most unlikely to come to faith in Christ, repent and put their trust in him. Wouldn't it be great news in our own individual life if the word of God were to multiply uh, within us? What does that mean? It means growing in maturity in faith, those deep roots in the word, producing real change in our own lives, producing genuine fruit of God at work, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? And that's the result of this uh, good thing not coming at the cost of the best thing. So our job as a church is that we get involved in the work of the best thing whilst ensuring that uh, we, we can do the good thing, just it doesn't come at that expense. Now, you might be sitting here thinking uh, being a little bit skeptical about these things perhaps you're, you're not a christian and uh, you think surely it would just be better full stop for the church to be involved in social action like surely it's better you know make make a real difference on the ground in real people's lives leave the spiritual stuff uh, leave the word of god stuff just just get on with doing good and helping people but picture this have you ever uh, had some friends over, uh, but you were a bit ambitious in your hosting. Um, I know that it certainly happened to me. You're you're sort of overstretching yourself. You're busy trying to jostle like uh, two pans that are overboiling here, uh, two in the oven, something in the microwave. It's all going a little bit wrong, getting a little bit stressful. You begin talking a little bit like Gordon Ramsay, and you find yourself uh, just getting a bit a bit overworked, and you're not actually spending any time with your friends who you've invited over. Uh, There, you have sacrificed what is best, spending time with your friends, uh, for what's good, putting on a nice meal. And I want to say that uh, as our our church together, we believe that what is best is that the word of God increases in people's lives. Now, uh, if you're skeptical about that being the very best thing for people, uh, let me invite you to... Uh, experience that for yourself, let me invite you uh, to have a go at seeing the word of God increase in your own life. So uh, we regularly put on uh, courses where uh, you can look at the word of God for yourself as a thinking adult, even with all of your skepticism and questions, um, and look at the life of Jesus uh, through his word for yourself. We'd love to invite you to, to do that. We run courses called uh, Hope Explored and Christianity Explored. Uh, talk to us afterwards if you'd like to to sign up for those. But that uh, really would be the best thing uh, for you today and for all those in the Docklands. And and that shouldn't come at the expense of wonderful, uh, good things uh, as well. So we want the word of God to go out, never sacrificing what is best for the sake of what is good. What is best uh, is that the word of God increases in Canary Wharf Uh, 21st century London, that lives are changed and the amount of disciples multiplies throughout. There are any number of distractions and conflicts that could arise and any number of good things that we could be getting on with. Uh, The solution is that we practically serve altogether, uh, but we never compromise on what is best for us to be getting on with, which is the word going out. Let's take a moment, we'll reflect on these things, and then we'll draw together uh, in prayers.